What's up, Redemption? How you doing? John Hendricks here, as always, for a brand new episode of the Thirsty Four Podcast. This week, we've got Brad back in the co-host role, and we're going to be talking to another podcast host. So you're going to get not one, not two, but three podcast hosts on this episode, as we're going to be talking to Mr. Card Game Fanatic about his new podcast project that has come to market for the Redemption community. So we'll be talking to him about that. We're also going to talk a little bit more about the fundraiser and some of the card offerings that are made available through that. And then we're going to give you a sneak peek of a future episode that's coming in the next couple of weeks and let you find out who that special guest might be. So we're glad you're here and let's get right into it. All right, guys, welcome into episode number 58 of your favorite podcast. John Hendricks here, the co-host of the podcast. Also got Mr. Brad G. How you doing, Mr. Co-host? Man, feeling good tonight. Let's go. I think people might have thought that uh, you had already abandoned us after last week when I had a podcast without you on it. But see, guys, my imaginary friend is real, and he talks. Did you say Israel? <laughs> Yeah, Israel's rebellion, Israel's disappearance. Well, uh, <laughs> it's really cool that uh, you think that, but um, I'm ready. <laughs> All right. And and could you see any other way than to come on one week, hype it up, and then like just not come the next week? I mean, it, it just had to happen. Yeah, that, that sounds par for the course now. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we'll uh, we'll just run through the information here that we've got for recent news and happenings around the community and the game of redemption and then we've got a conversation on the backside just a short conversation with mr james courtney who is card game fanatic for those of you that know him by his screen name and he just dropped his first podcast he reached out to me a few weeks ago and well a few weeks ago might be a stretch it might have been much longer than that but i don't know the time frame but he started reaching out and asking me questions about podcasts and had this idea to do a podcast dedicated to like deck building and archetypes and things and so he finally dropped his first episode on disciples where he featured rob smith demon hunter 85 for those of you that know him by his screen name and they're talking about the ins and outs of disciples and that's the kind of what you can expect from him but wanted to spotlight that and you know give exposure to that best we could by using our platform here with the podcast that we have so that's what you can look forward to on the backside of the podcast. Right now, we're going to go through some recent news and talk about content. And I guess I'll just go ahead and knock this one out and get it off since we already talked about it. Chamber of Angels podcast. It's currently only available on Podbean, but will be made available to some of the other directories. So that episode one with Rob Smith going over Disciples, check that out. And then... We got your favorite content creator, Mr. Jaden Allstead, Redemption with Jaden. And this time, Brad, he's no longer trying to cheat. He's just got Grapegate the legal way. So hmm. that's it's nice to see that he has he has acknowledged his wrongdoing and he has tried to, to right the wrongs and play the deck the legal way. 
even though he wasn't able to pull off the illegal play he was shooting for last time. Well, I haven't seen the illegal play, but uh, so I guess I'll have to catch up on that. You probably got a lot of videos to catch up on. I got about six months worth of videos to catch up on. <laughs> Speaking of catching up, something that I did a couple of weeks back and I thought was pretty cool was I got some inside information about what to expect from Jaden's next video, and I thought it'd be pretty cool since he, you know, is following a pretty a pretty uh, consistent schedule of releasing on Thursday. I thought I'd reach out and see if maybe we could get a teaser for this week's video. And, well, it's going to be his Lackey Grand Prix game against Agar the Wise. And that is going to be Daniel Tivity. And this is going to be mixing in some nativity. And by nativity, you can already assume we're talking Chamber of Angels, the Heavenly Host, creating a bunch of tokens, Star of Bethlehem, mixed in with Daniel. And I think this might be pretty cool because... The thing that Daniel has suffered from for a while now is the speed element and just being able to quickly get to its wind condition and whatnot. I know that he said it didn't it didn't run as smoothly and there's some tweaks and things that he needs to do to the deck. So this is going to be, you know, just an introduction to it and don't expect it to run as smoothly. But you can check out Daniel Tivity coming up on Thursday with Redemption with Jaden. I think I will. Sounds pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. I got a, I got a podcast to listen to and a, and a video to watch. Yep. Now you can add another video if you want and check out our boy Rob M from Rob hey. M Studios. You know I got uh, graduations all this week. I got like five of them, I think. So as I'm sitting there, you know, listening to the valedictorian, the salutatorian, this and that, you know, I'll probably just pop in a, re- a redemption podcast, sit in the back. Wait for those people's names to be called, cheer them on, you know, that type of thing. There you go. <laughs> Way to have your priorities in order, Brad. <laughs> Life hack, I think is what you're looking for. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Life hack. Listen to Redemption Podcast and watch video, YouTube videos during graduation ceremonies. Because let's be honest, I'm only there for whoever I'm there for to walk across stage. If they ain't giving the speech, I ain't never met these people in my life. That's fair. But Rob M Studios has kind of an, an interesting video because it's going for a uh, a format that is not a legal format and it's one of those fan created formats and it's type half and type half is something that interested me a while back I tried to reach out and have um, someone come on to to talk about what all went into the deck building and coming up with the rules and things of type half and also there's another one type Northwest I believe is what it's called and I wasn't able to get those episodes lined up. Stuff came up, wasn't able to get them scheduled, but I've always been interested in those two and finding out the ins and outs of them. But if you're interested also in Type Half, you can go and check out gameplay from Rob M Studios on YouTube and see how that play style or that, that format style plays out. We didn't have a podcast episode on that? Okay. I, I could have sworn we talked about Type Half at least once. I don't think so. I think we talked about it, and I wanted to do a podcast episode, but never got around to it. Well, you know what? You got content for the future now. We need to I make do. this happen. So, yeah. But, hey, uh, if you check out Land of Redemption, you know, go on the website. I know it's uh, probably in your bookmark, one of your favorites. So just go ahead and click that. And uh, once you get on there, you can see the redemption from the perspective of a 60-year-old. And this is part one of his testimonial. So, um, I don't think they tell us how many parts this testimonial is, but we know there's at least 
two if there's a part one. So uh, that should be pretty interesting. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard a 60-year-old perspective on redemption. So Yeah, I I think we've, here on the podcast at least, we've tackled from a child's perspective. I had Keegan on one time to yes. talk about it. And this is like the flip side of that coin. And you get to get an older person's perspective. So I think it's really cool to see the game that we all care about and we like and we enjoy seeing how other people view it is healthy for several different reasons. I mean, if you just find chief among those is just to see how the game is viewed um, and see if there's any areas that we could clean up. And, you know, it's kind of like we've been working towards as a, as a player base and the elders working towards making the game more new player friendly and gearing everything towards that new player experience part of that information and knowing what to tweak and what to look to improve on for the new player experience would be something like this, gaining perspectives from a wide array of different people and different backgrounds to see what the game is doing well and what it could improve on. So definitely you want to go and check that out to, you know, continue to get glimpses of what the game looks like from different perspectives. Yeah, absolutely. Man, we got some unofficial tournaments coming up. Uh, this one is giving me a little uh, nostalgia in a way, I guess, uh, or a little uh, jealousy, anxiousness. Because I used to love the Zoom D- Discord Invitationals, and I haven't played one in forever, it seems like. But Series 12 is underway. I cannot believe that. Series 12 and the first round pairings are going live on Sunday. So uh, They went live on Sunday. They went live on Sunday. Yeah. So you've got the rest of the week to get those in. And 12, man, can you believe that? I cannot. It's crazy because, you know, following up that, the Lackey Grand Prix is actually working on its 10th iteration. And that's going to be, signups are happening now through Friday. And then it probably would be going first round pairings coming out next week. But Lackey Grand Prix is on its 10th iteration. You've got the Zoom Discord Invitational Series 12 that's crazy to think about the unofficial tournament scene and how robust it's it's been at least over the past like calendar year working towards you know this is the second calendar year of going into those things because we had the build up to nationals last year with some of these tournaments and they're just continuing now up to this nationals and I think it's just fantastic that you have those extra ways to play people that you don't normally play and it just helps diversify the 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 player base and help people further, you know, identify and define the meta, all good yeah. things. It, it, and it really is. And I, I remember when there was almost like a negative stigma on like a lackey tournament, because obviously if you're playing on lackey, most of the time you, you probably don't have all the cards you're playing with and all that stuff. Um, and so I think it was, it was almost looked down on in a way, but when it finally started up, you know, Hey, it just, we just never look back. <laughs> like, here we are. Yeah, definitely uh, credit to those guys for hosting that. Rob M. doing the Zoom Discord series, and then Jay Chambers yeah. doing the, the Grand Prix. It's awesome. Now, I guess the the next big thing here that we've got on the notes for the outline is, can you believe, I, I feel like just literally like last week, I had a podcast where I was like, we're getting into that three-month territory. Nationals is like, just around the corner it's like 90 something days and then i looked it up tonight right before we go to record and we're recording monday night and this will either release on tuesday or wednesday depending on the editing process 
but it's 73 days away from nationals in Knoxville, Tennessee. Can you believe that? I mean, I we've still got 73 days, only 73 days, guys, to convince Brad that he can make it and to uh, <laughs> to try to coerce him into into shunning his family for three days and going to nationals. So, <laughs> hey, you know what? I heard a rumor about nationals. What's that rumor? I heard it could be moving to Tuscaloosa. Like we could be hosting it. Uh, I'm I'm not sure. I heard that same thing. Oh yeah, I'm, I can't go to nationals. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, well, you know, we'll just see. We'll see what the summer brings. We will right see now, what the summer brings. I have a few things on my calendar, but you know, we'll we'll, we'll do our best to, uh, you know, in the best way possible without striking fear in my family, kidnap me, and I'll be up there. Yeah, I I really hope you can make it. Maybe instead of you know most most of the time people they might need some financial assistance getting to national and they set up, you know a place to receive some donations or, or help getting to nationals. You don't, you don't need necessarily monetary donations, but maybe you need like goodwill letters and just, just send a bunch of fan letters to, <laughs> to Lacey and be like, Hey, we really need Brad to be in nationals. Please. Can he come and just get like every day? There's another letter in the mail. It's like that Harry Potter scene where they won't give him the letter and it just keeps coming back. You know, letters, and if I just had a nanny for, you know, all three of my kids, that would help. Yeah, well, I don't I don't know if we can help you with a nanny. <laughs> <laughs> but if you find the nanny tree, you know, I'm sure there's some other people that would like you to, uh, to send them a nanny from the nanny tree. Yeah. But Struggles, I guess, man. I guess in, in talking about this road to nationals, we get to, uh, to kind of shift gears and talk about actual official tournaments that are happening and this is a big week for those but also just kind of spotlight something that might be or should be coming down once we get a little bit more information and you know i'm talking to you mr chris fashman host of nationals you said now that the fundraiser was out there you could shift gears and focus on getting all of the fine details for nationals whenever we do get those fine details you can expect to have a podcast where we talk about all of the arrangements all of the uh preferred hotels if you want to stay in a hotel the arrangements at the church if you're staying there all all the x's and o's of nationals in an episode so that you can be as prepared as you can be without standing inside of the uh the church there at meridian baptist church in knoxville tennessee so that's coming down the way but as far as official tournaments on that road to nationals we've got three big ones this week we've got a regional tournament and two state tournaments. The first one being the Northwest Regional Tournament. That's going to be hosted by Mike Lasky and Luke Taylor. And that's going to be held in Bend, Oregon. And I don't believe the venue was made official at the time that this was sent in to Cactus, so I don't have that information. But it's going to be in Bend, Oregon on 518 through 520. So that looks like Thursday, Friday, Saturday. The next one is going to be the super hyped i'm talking about if you could make it to one tournament on the on the calendar and it was between like anything besides nationals and this probably would want to go to this from just all of the the epic hype build up that mr mark valake has done for it but the new york state tournament hosted by mark there and you guys will remember him as being the community wild card in the mr classic and all of that 
But he has shifted gears since Mr. Classic to focusing on hosting the New York State Tournament, and that's going to be in Moravia, New York, at First Baptist Church of Moravia. And that is going to be May 19th and 20th, so Friday and Saturday. And we're talking, there's food provided, there's Type Half, where if you win, as a side event, if you win Type Half, you get half of a box. I mean, that's just the perfect price for Type Half, right? I mean, you can't get any better. Yeah, and he's doing like a side sealed event, I believe, with like G&H starter decks. Just all kinds of like side events. And then you get to the actual events, and they're expecting a huge turnout there. Definitely, definitely can't wait to hear some of the reports from New York State Tournament just from all of the effort that I know Mark has put into it. So if you're in the area, if you've thought about going, you should get your butt there if you are within driving distance and you have a pulse because that seems like it's going to be the happening place to be this weekend. I mean, it is New York, so you got to get there. There you go. Now, in our neck of the woods, you have the Alabama State Tournament that's going to be hosted by our friend Jeremy Chambers, and that's going to be at his residence on May 19th and 20th, the Friday and Saturday as well this weekend. And I hear rumors, if you get your butt there, then he's going to be smoking butt, and there's mm. going to be uh, free food all weekend, mm. and he's going, going to be running the smoker. So I'm just saying, Brad, you should you should – you should just go. <laughs> you don't need graduations, right? State tournament only happens once a year. Graduation happens, what, once a lifetime? Nah, you can compare apples and oranges. Yeah, I won't, you know, some of these guys that graduate, I just won't ever see them again. But Jeremy, you know, he's just here for, for the long run, for all the tournaments. Yeah. So, yeah, Jeremy's Jeremy may win out on that one. i tell you what, though. It's definitely looking like it's going to be a fun time, and I can't wait to uh, to hang out there at Jeremy's place. Always a good time getting to get together and have tournaments there. Oh, yeah. Now, moving on to some tournaments that aren't coming up this week, but just continuing this run of major tournaments. Like, we have three this week. Then next week, there's the Texas State Tournament, and that's going to be hosted by Brennan Cordaire, or Coderre. I hope I said that right. I probably didn't. I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> but that's going to be at the Arena Games in Universal City, Texas, May 26th and 27th. So you guys can go and find all the information about that on the Cactus website if you're in the area or if you, you want to travel to that. But it's going to be May 26th and 27th at the Arena Games. And, you know, that's now four major tournaments within a two-week span we also have some information about uh, newly added to the to the schedule. Wisconsin State Tournament is going to be June 24th at the Oshkosh Town Hall there in Wisconsin. And then there was something posted on the Discord about North Central Regionals. Previously was listed as being hosted Ohio, I thought. I might be wrong. But there was a mention that it was going to be now moved to Kansas City this summer. So if you're in the area for that... That information should be updated on Cactus as it goes official. But those are happenings and changes to the schedule that we are aware of. And I guess that's going to bring us to something that I'm super excited about. Brad, I hope you're super excited about. And all you people out there listening to the podcast should be excited. And that is this Roots fundraiser because, man, I know that we wanted to, like, 
I I had this crazy goal in my head, or not goal, but hope in my head that we would just smash it to smithereens like a weekend we'd have fully funded and we're ready to go and we're getting those cards in packs at nationals. And so I'm having to internalize and make myself not be disappointed per se because there's nothing to be disappointed about. I mean, we are smashing this out of the park, but, you know, if you had some of those unreal expectations like I did, that's kind of recalibrating. But we have now fully funded the first two tiers and that's going to guarantee us at least 168 cards in the root set. And that's significant because the first tier, it was mentioned to me by uh, Mr. Chris Fashman at one of the tournaments this past year, or this year so far, that if we only got the first tier, then we were going to get like three roots cards and still have two like IJ or, or some other filler card in the back of the packs. If we got to the second tier, then that would replace all of the filler cards and they would all be roots cards and then we would just multiply the amount of roots cards and the variety if we got up to the third tier so the second tier now being locked in that guarantees us that all of the cards at the back of the pack are now going to be roots cards let's go which is going to be clean it's going to be so great having all the cards in the same size and they've been dropping some of the spoilers of these cards and they look fantastic did you they did a great job did you see the uh, the the Uzza card that that dropped? No, I did not. Oh my goodness! Gabe said he couldn't take credit for it, but he found our artwork that had Uzza touching the ark and the lightning coming down and striking him in the head. Where where can you find that picture? That is in the spoiler channel on Discord. Looking there right now. Okay, go there right now. I think we can hold while Brad actually goes on Discord <laughs> because guys, this is a significant moment. Brad is on Discord. This might be the first time in like eight months. I used to live on Discord, but not lately. Yeah. I don't see it. You don't see it. Okay. I see a Tyler Stevens. Yeah, he posted (laughs) some spoilers today. Spoiler? No, like the card says Tyler Stevens. Oh. (laughs) Redemption Nationals 2022. And you commented today, dude, that looks sweet. So I know you saw it. <laughs> oh, oh, that was the uh, that was his name tag for nationals this past year. Yeah, but I was more say, so saying that the artwork of right on victoriously looked really good, like blown up and and covering the full card per se. Dude, Not necessarily Tyler Stevens. A new beginning place or out of four here. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is why we got to get you back on the Discord, man. All kinds yeah. of fun things. Dude, this happened nowhere in this. This happened now. Friday night, I believe it was. Oh, there it is. Yeah, you see it. Yeah, that's pretty cool, dude. It's awesome, and it it works so well with that artwork. Even though that's older artwork, and obviously the lightning is a new element layered on top of it. It looks awesome. It looks like the lightning is going right to his eye sockets, <laughs> and you know that's kind of what Uzza gets for always stalling me. And and not letting me rescue souls. You know, I was I was actually thinking about Uzza whenever he was, he mentioned the defenses, and I was like the different types of defenses. I was like the chump yeah. block defense, chump block. <laughs> yeah, Nick Marshall saying all you need is Uzza, foreign wives, <laughs> foreign and wives. deceiver. <laughs> That's all you need. <laughs> That's awesome. And sure. I, I'm and, and Firefoxes sometimes. Oh yeah, and I'm I'm pretty sure that his his brother Luke Marshall has uh 
kind of taken that and ran with it and tried that a few times. So, <laughs> his other four miles <laughs> in the sea. And yeah, that's all you need. Anyway, so I thought what would be cool is if you've got your Discord open there, Brad, is I know that you can navigate to the announcements and go to the uh, Cactus Game Square site. And we can look up, because we talked last week about some of the uh, ins and outs of the fundraiser you know, and what Roots was from the, you know, kind of the inception where the idea came in from Rob and then where the, the leadership team just took it and ran with it and got us to this point with the fundraiser. Now, we know we're getting 168 cards. What we're shooting for is $5,000 more fundraiser to get 224 total cards in the set. And if you've seen some of the spoilers that have come out, there's no guarantee that a card that you've seen is going to be in that 168 because they were shooting to have 224 cards. If we don't get all the funding, then some of those cards are obviously not going to go to print and they haven't decided what all those cards are. So the easiest way for us to just ensure we get the card that we want, that we've seen teased and we're like, got to have it. Like, I want that blue creation of the world. Whatever it does, I want it. Only way for me to do that is to push for us to get to 18K raised and get the 224 cards. So that's what I'm I'm hoping that we get to. And I think that we're on pace that right now, no matter what happens, I think we're going to get there. And it's just going to be a matter of when we get that done. And like I said, initially on, especially with the talk of, if we got it funded this past week, we could have had them in the packs at Nationals. So Israel's Rebellion would have the new set and then the new root set as filler cards at the back of the pack. And that was kind of put out there. And then I took and ran with that as like, okay, now I'm going to be disappointed if that's not the case. And I set myself up for it to where when we didn't have funding immediately for the, the 18 or whatever or quickly – it's just recalibrating. I think we're still on a good pace, and I think even if this stays open till nationals, and then it, by nationals, I think we're we're there. I don't think it's going to to stall to the point we don't get there. But it would have been nice to see us push for it a little bit uh, a little bit harder. Maybe have something ready to come in once we hit like the first tier to kind of get some secondary investment from the same people that have already invested adding some new items and that type of thing. But I don't know if, have you looked at the, the website and seen all of the offerings yet, Brad? Like just the, the, the products that you can purchase to, to go toward the fundraiser. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, you sent me that. I forgot when, but when I was looking at it, I was like, man, this is, this is really cool. And like in hearing Chris talk about it last week was really cool too. Just kind of seeing how it all came together and um, even the art and all that stuff. Man, it, it definitely looks really good. Yeah. So I guess we can we can just kind of pinpoint a couple of things that we like out of this. I definitely think it's it's been said several times now that these staple dominants, even though they uh they're a more basic version, they're not full art because they wanted to preserve the the cool factor of the original ultra rares and not have something that might outclass them. But I think it's very, very healthy for the future of the game for new players and even competitive players that want to build multiple decks to be able to have multiple copies of these things in an affordable price point. You know, like when we were trying to do our playgroup, if we were to, let's just say we, we had a, a student come in and they wanted to 
take one of those contender decks and fully flesh it out to a competitive deck. Okay. Well, how much money is that going to cost me? Well, I can tell you two cards that's going to cost you a hundred bucks. And that's going to be second coming and three woes. And then if you need shipwreck, okay, there's you another, I don't know, 30 bucks minimum generally. And now seeing these be offered in an affordable price point to where you can get all three of these for 75, no, I'm sorry, 70 bucks. I think that's definitely healthy for the game. And it, it makes it, it shows that the game is making a concentrated effort to not gatekeep anything and restrict competitive play for the players that are willing to invest more money by having an affordable option. And I think that's really cool. And I think that's unique to our game versus some other games. Uh, I'm not saying that other games don't do things like that to help their player base. A lot of those games don't necessarily have to because they have such large player bases. But with ours being a small player base, a new player coming in, if they feel like they're getting, you know, held behind a, a price gate to where in order to be competitive, I have to invest X amount of money. I could see that them potentially being discouraged and not actually investing in the game and getting toward the point of being a competitive player, which is, you know, ultimately what we want. We want people to come in and play and feel like they have a chance to play in tournaments and be competitive with their decks. And I think this is definitely a good offering to get us toward that. Yeah, and I especially agree about like second coming. That should be a card that everybody has access to because it's like Son of God and Second Coming, there should be an easy option to get those in the deck. Now, all the other dominance, like Three Woes is obviously like up there, like everybody has it in their deck, but you could get by with not having it, I think. It, your deck is not going to be as good, but you cannot get by really without having Second Coming. Yeah, I mean, if if you're playing um, New Jerusalem in your deck, I mean, if somebody has New Jerusalem in their deck, you just look and be like, "This game, I'm gonna win." <laughs> like, I don't care how good they are, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna win this one. I definitely, I definitely see that too, and it's nice to know that now there's going to be a comparable offering for Second Coming for people. I don't know how long the fundraiser is going to stay, and if this is going to be offered post the the fundraiser closing so if you've got young young players in a play group if you've got new players in a play group if you just want more for you to deck build go ahead and help the community out and go buy you $200 worth of second coming and $200 worth of three woes and there you go you help the game you help yourself another thing that I think is really cool you remember when we first so me and you were we we discovered the game same time or you, you kind of had a little bit of a not history with the game per se, but you knew of the game at least. So you were coming from that, and then I, I completely just cold discovered it when you were like, hey, I think I saw this in Lifeway, and we went and checked it out. But after I went, um, I went and met with Jay and Jeremy Chambers that first time, I was like, yeah, these guys apparently are, are close by. I'm going to drive like two hours and go play with them on Saturday. And it was right after Nationals 2019. Like, we missed it by, like, a week. And they had the participation promo from Nationals, which was the side-by-side artwork of Son of God and then New Jerusalem, the pair that the pictures went together. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was just such a cool design element. And I know that the elders have talked about if there was ever a way to get that back in the game or find ways to use art pieces like that to where they, they blend two cards together, that they would look to do that. 
And we haven't seen it in the game since. But now, with this, you can get a a set of the alternate art cards for the main characters from each of the new starter decks. And so that's Israel's Deliverance First Samuel main character alternate set. And then Israel's Deliverance Exodus main character alternate art set. And that's going to be David and Goliath with alternate art. And the picture goes together to form a more full picture. And I think that's really cool. And then you have Moses and Pharaoh. And those go together to form a more full picture. And I just, I'm stoked to see that as a design element in the game. And I hope that as more opportunities present themselves that the card designers take that and run with it because I think that is just so stinking cool. What do you think about those art choices? Well, to be completely honest, I did not see that until you just pointed it out. (laughs) uh, Come on, Brad. Man, I had looked at these cards, but no, I did not. um, I didn't realize they were like the same picture, just kind of cut in half. But that is really cool. I I love that. Definitely glad you pointed that out. Um, cause like, even like if, oh man, like if, if David is facing Goliath, you know, against your opponent and it's like the same battle scene, that's really cool. Yeah. That brings out all of the like nerd feelings, I guess. Yeah. Just because it's like, I guess it leads to more of an immersion if the cards kind of match in the battle scene. Not that these cards are going to necessarily come to life. It's not like we've got that old... Yu-Gi-Oh wheel disc on our wrist and we're putting the card in and saying I summon you red eyes black dragon (laughs) Um, but short of that the cards matching kind of give a cool element of okay these go together and now if you look at the picture and you realize that even if you're not a person of faith you probably know a little bit about David and Goliath but now you've got these together they've got scripture references that kind of go together and it, it just it further pushes people to uh, realize that the story is intertwined. Everything that the game is doing in this starter deck versus this, you know, with this offense versus this defense is telling the story of this epic battle, this epic time in the history of the children of Israel and, you know, God's chosen people. And I think that's really cool. And then you flip over and you see, you know, another time where God delivered his people by having Moses go before Pharaoh and have, you know, his brother there to interpret for him and whatnot. But you get all of that right there in that artwork. And even if your knowledge of the story is limited, you start just getting getting it put together to where, oh, Moses and Pharaoh and then David, Goliath. Like I said, a lot of people, even without a faith background, is going to know those stories just from it being part of our culture in this country. Growing up, you know, maybe you, even though you might not be a believer now, maybe you went to a Sunday school at some point and David and Goliath was taught. Or, you know, they use sports references. It's a David and Goliath story. I just think it's cool that it's pushing you to see that the pieces go together as part of the overall story. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. I love it. Now, one other thing that I do like is this Son of God foil alternate art that is from Jesus' baptism scene. This is by one Mr. Jeff Haney, and Chris kind of mentioned it last week, right? He mentioned that, you know, maybe that's a story for another time or whatnot, because this was kind of an 11th hour add to the lineup of offerings, and I'm glad that, 
you know, it was able to make the cut and get on there. But this card is going to be in foil and seeing the, you know, the, the, the light color there as the, the light is shining down on him. And then you get the, the dark contrast on the edges of the card, the water at the bottom. I just imagine this card is going to absolutely pop when you put it in foil. And I cannot wait to see this card in person and see how well it, it looks. This will be a card that you can't keep in the binder. Like you have to put it in your deck pretty much. Yeah. Well, that's why you have to, you have to break yourself homie and get two of them. <laughs> Cause I, I, at this point I'm, I'm bound legally almost to every time I get a card that's like one of these high end promo cards, I've got to keep one in the binder that's not played. I feel like I have to, right? I've, yes. I've worked hard to, to build the collection. So if I want to have a playable copy of this, I just have to find a way to get a second copy. But definitely that that is one that I will depending on what it looks like when it comes out, I'm I'm expecting that a lot of people are going to be running that in their deck and it's going to be one of the coolest looking cards in the game, I think. You know, if if somebody's playing it against me, I definitely will take a second and be like let's just pause. <laughs> yeah. Let's admire the son of god. Full art, full foil. You remember that video that we watched uh, one time? I think it was. I think it was in uh, the 2016 Nationals in those videos, but it was like somebody versus something with music by Slick Wrist or something. <laughs> uh, and so he's like, he pushes with Josh Wayne Captain, one of the strongest rescues in the game, and then all of a sudden, the player drops Son of God. And this was like when me and you were like early <laughs> on in the game, and so like. This player dropped Son of God, and I think it was JD. I might be wrong, but plays Son of God and then holds it up to the camera, and we're like, dang, he just played Son. <laughs> it was really cool. Now, imagine if you're showing this card to the camera, and it's this card, this foil <laughs> card, how much an improvement that is going to be. Yeah. Dude, so many cool art pieces in the game, but getting the art and the foil treatment on something like this is going to be fantastic. Can, can we bring back those instances at tournaments where people can hold up a card to the camera? Yeah. As yeah, they're recording live. Let's bring that back. <laughs> hey, watch this. Just hold the card up. Yeah. Now don't we'll don't do like don't do like I've done in the past and call out and be like, look, watch this combo. It's gonna be really cool. And then the combo doesn't work. <laughs> so don't hold that up to the camera. You don't want you don't want people remembering that stuff. You know, like you drafted this card in, in Booster Draft and you thought it was going to work, but it doesn't work that way because of the wording on it. Man, that's happened to me so many times. Oddly enough, Booster Draft is still one of my favorite categories. Oh, absolutely. I, I just but imagine it with roots in the back of the packs now. Oh, man, yes. Yeah, it's going that's to get so be, much better. Yeah, so much better. But anyway, kind of the backstory on on this card. I guess I'm I'm okay to share this, but... It turns out that Rob and some of the elders were having some trouble reaching out to Jeff Haney originally when it was first mentioned that we might use this and the Lion of Judah artwork in the starter decks before the ones at Nationals came out or that they would like to potentially do that. I was able to actually reach out to him and I got a response back then, found out the cost of licensing licensing this artwork, and then I provided that to the elder team and that was it well knowing that they were wanting to potentially use this artwork 
like almost a year later, Chris reached out to him and he's like, hey, we're having trouble getting in touch with Jeff Haney. You think you could uh, try to work your magic again? And I reached out to him and a few days later, I got a response and he sent me a uh, a link to an invoice to pay for the artwork. I sent that over to the leadership team. They paid it, got the files, provided that to them. And here we are. This was the 11th hour ad. And I was able to help the team out by getting in contact with, with Mr. Jeff Haney. And that is that is really cool that not only is this a really cool card in the game, but now the fact that it's actually brought and made available in the game, I feel like I had a part with that. So that's really cool now. Now you have to play this in your day. Now I have to. I feel like I have to, man. There's no way around it. You can't <laughs> play any other Son of God. You have to play this one. Yeah. You know I'm not going to play my favorite Son of God. No. Which is 2016, but yeah. <laughs> if if I get a first place promo, son of God, this year, the the textless son of God, that's gonna be the one that's gonna be the hardest to throw in the binder and not play it. That's true because that one that one looks fantastic. Now, in addition to this foil son of God as a dominant, you have the foil dominant set of Crowd's Choice with alternate artwork, Harvest Time that has the light and blue effect going on and then star of bethlehem and i think all three of these are going to look good foil but really think that this one is going to be one of the coolest looking cards when it it comes to color you know the reaction that you get or the the glare from it being in foil with this color having that blue trim around it and then the the really bright yellow hue that's around the artwork of jesus there I think that's going to look really good. The other ones, I think, will still look good. Crowd's Choice and Star of Bethlehem, but I don't think anything that has that blue tinge to it and then has some yellow in it, you just assume is going to look really good on a foil. Yeah. Uh, getting those cards, is, is, is you talked about having staple dominance and stuff. Again, it's like, man, if I'm trying to decide, like if it's a 50-50, do I play Harvest Time or do I play – grapes you know whatever but i have a foil harvest time (laughs) i think i'm gonna play that one (laughs) yeah you might play that one but you might have a national promo grapes of wrath though so not the same okay i guess that's fair it's not as shiny i guess uh definitely a lot of cool choices there so any cards that we talked about here you're going to want you a copy everyone's going to want a copy go and invest into the fundraiser all that money's going back into the game that we all love that you're sitting here an hour into a podcast listening to it and you know you do it probably on a weekly basis listening to the podcast here you care about the game i care about the game brad you ain't even been in the game lately but you you care about the game everybody cares about the game invest that passion you have if you're able to invest get you some cool items on top of that and I think I think we're going to get there. It's just a matter of when we're going to get there. I definitely think that by nationals we will be there, if not much sooner. Yeah, the closer and closer we get, people will, I think, yeah, they'll want to play that last little bit part and, and, and pushing us over. So, yeah, I agree. All right, so I guess the last thing before we jump into the uh, the recorded conversation with Card Game Fanatic regarding the new podcast that's come to market for the redemption community and that being the chamber of angels podcast before we do that just wanted to talk a little bit more about the idea that i had of doing like a once a month type of thing and 
Brad, you listened to the podcast last week, so now you are up to date with with kind of my evolving idea for this. But we've recently signed up for a new audio recording, and it also potentially does video recording for the podcast. And so as we look to utilize that, I thought we could, you know, once a month, say on a, a random Friday or or just one weekday evening, kind of hang out and kind of have an informal talk about things that the podcast is planning. And some of the information that we would share is kind of upcoming episodes, what we're trying to plan. Because I feel like some people have maybe an idea of when I say that I don't want to have to schedule a guest every week, that you're going to get a bunch of filler episodes. And heck, maybe you think this is a filler episode, but that's not my goal. My goal is to just let me focus on when I am planning guests for them to be really cool guests. So I've got a guest in the works coming down the pipe, and I thought I would share just a tease of of who might be coming on the podcast here and let you know that this is the type of things that I would like to discuss in that once a once a month kind of hangout session. Now, Brad, I don't recall. Have I told you who's coming on the podcast? I don't think you have. Mm-hmm. Take a stab at it. I'll give you two guesses. Well, I'm guessing right now. No hints. Who do you think is coming on the podcast? Uh, I think it would be, I think this would be almost as equally exciting as when Josiah was on the podcast. Oh, man. Do I know this person? <laughs> uh, you do not know this person. No, sir. I don't know this person per se. Oh, man. I have no idea. Okay. So I guess we can. Uh, let's build up some hype with a, with, a, with a sound effect here. Boom. Who's going to be the guest? It's going to be Mr. Travis that used to own Three Lions Game. And we're going to try to schedule him to come on the podcast and talk about you know, where life's taken him since he played the game and kind of recollect on his time with the game. And those are the kind of episodes that when I have a guest on, I want them to be a really cool guest that's going to build all of the excitement for the listeners and, and people really want to hear some of, some of you know, the story of where they are since they left the game, if it's one of those type of things. But I've got all kinds of ideas for, for big guests, but this is the one that I think is coming next, and we're looking to bring that in the next couple of weeks to the podcast. So that is going to be... Again, coming in the next couple of weeks. That is really cool. Um, you know, indirectly, whether people know him personally or not, indirectly, so many people know him. So Three Lions Gaming has changed hands, but in the like in the the main point of Travis owning that, and I think there was just a lot of excitement about the game at that point, and he was investing into some artwork for the game and for getting uh, some play mats made and stuff, and he was really into it. And then as life kind of pulled him away and he went back to school, he had to step away from the game or chose to to step away from the game. And there's a lot of people that still, like we came into the game and I feel like I've heard people talk about him and how cool of a person he is. And I've never had the the pleasure to meet him. I've never talked to him. I've sent, sent him a couple of messages on Facebook to try to reach out and see if he'd be interested in coming on the podcast. And... I am super excited to be able to, you know, at some point here in the near future, sit down and have him on the podcast to talk about it. Because especially like Jay and Jeremy, when they talk about this cat, like, I mean, just all good stories. Like the dude's made of the right type of stuff and he was fun for the game. And and 
just such a vital part of the excitement that was around the game at the time that it'd just be kind of cool to, you know, take a step back in time and, and talk about the game back then and how he saw the game and all that he put into the game when he was involved. And I think that's going to be really cool so that people that don't know him like myself and like you that's come into the game since can get more of the context of who he is, who he was when he was in the game, where life has taken him since, so that those stories have a face and, and kind of a familiar voice now after he's been on the podcast. I think that's that's really cool, and that's why I'm looking forward to having him on the podcast. Much like Josiah, like you can't go into a redemption and be a player in redemption for a, a long period of time and not hear stories about Josiah. And then when you get to have him on the podcast and people get to have that, I guess, getting to know him a little bit more from his stories and rec- recollecting of his time with the game. So fun. And those are the episodes that I want to focus more on when we have guests on. Yeah, that's really cool. For sure. I mean, like you said, I mean, talk about some stories. <laughs> There'll be some stories there. Stories people like want to yeah. hear and interested to hear and really help connect like past few years to like now. Looking forward to that one. Yeah. And see, that's the benefit of having a co-host where I don't feel the the burden to have someone on on a weekly basis to where I have to find someone that's an expert on whatever I want to talk about. We could just talk about that and then save those guest moments for bringing on people that haven't been on the podcast before, that haven't been involved in the game recently, all kinds of other ideas that I want to do. But I'm trying not to share more of those. Like I'm having to fight right now all of the cool ideas that I have to share with you guys right now on this podcast because those are the type of things that I want to divulge and share when we have that kind of informal hangout once a month. And I can tell you all of these great ideas and which ones I think we might be able to make happen in the next month and then just kind of use that as a, you know, a sounding board for kind of where my head is, where your head is now as a co-host trying to plan some of these episodes. But definitely looking forward to having Travis on the podcast and recollecting with his time in the game and, and seeing where life has taken him since. But I guess with that, we can get ready to get into the conversation here with Mr. James Courtney or Card Game Fanatic, as you all know him. And we'll catch you on the other side. All right, guys, we are here with Mr. James. You will probably know him more as Card Game Fanatic or that guy that is crazy about angels and demons. How you doing, James? Doing good. And just so you know, I was crazy enough about angels that I was playing angels long before angels were a functional deck. Okay, so your your history with the game goes way back, huh? Uh, yes, my history with the game actually goes all the way back to, I believe it was the, about two starter decks back from, or from IJ. Okay, I know what one of those, I mean, obviously we know what the, the letters, we can, we can figure that out. I have a little bit of experience with the G and H, so I guess I have some kind of frame of reference for, for what that time period might be. Anyway, so fast forward to now, you now have wonderful toys to play with for Angels and Demons to try to make your, your deck not just functional, but, but competitive, and uh, you liking themes kind of, I guess, led to the fact that now you have your very own podcast, so... What can you tell us about the new podcast project? Yeah, so it's the Chamber of Angels podcast. 
your home for all redemption archetype, deck building, and theory crafting, among other things. Basically, it goes back to one of the things that I noticed about redemption. When I came back into the game last year, and even last several times that I've come back to the game, I've always had a hard time kind of getting into other decks or getting into, like, finding what's the good strategies outside of you go on the forums and try to find deck profile and hope that that was a good deck. <laughs> or you go onto the Discord and the same thing. So the entire thing that I've been looking at is instead of having people just kind of have to guess or figure out who's the best person to talk to about an archetype or even just discussion of like what dominance to play or what lost souls to play or all these types of things. How about we do a podcast where I find that person for you and then we just sit down and have a nice long discussion of the ins and outs, the depths and secrets of this deck. And then you can turn around and basically build that deck from that starting core or that basic idea. And as well, kind of go into things of like, uh, one of the next podcasts I'm actually looking at doing is a discussion specifically on dominance of when should you play the niche dominance, what dominance are the best to be playing, uh, what dominance might be more specific towards your deck, or might be just more specific towards your playstyle, and what dominance are just completely useless and you should never play. Blinding light, we're looking at you. Glory the Lord is also second on that, and hey, third hey. would be... Uh, <laughs> hey. That's a Brad special right there uh, now. <laughs> I'm have to pull that back out. <laughs> Speaking of dominance, though, make sure that you have an episode planned for after dominance, because it seems like that dominant conversation is about is about the time frame that all of the John Early podcasts go to die. So make sure that you have a plan for what comes after that. It's usually like all, we're going to talk about lost souls. Now we're going to talk about dominance. And then it's like the podcast is on infinite hiatus. So just uh, be wary. If you can get past dominance. You made it. Yeah, that's why I'm planning on the dominant discussion to be early, so then I have too much other stuff to do <laughs> afterwards. Now, when you talk about the goal of your podcast project, and this is the Chamber of Angels podcast that just had its first episode released, I'm about halfway through that episode. I haven't finished it yet, but um, definitely enjoying that. And you had the right guy on for Disciples because Rob has been enamored with Disciples since GOC previews were happening and then he's been playing them since. So there's a lot of good information on that. And so you talk about wanting to take an archetype and kind of basically unpack that and give all the ins and outs of that so that someone can confidently then go and pull the cards out and start building a deck and at least have in mind how that deck should play out. But beyond just archetype, you, you talked about uh, strategy and, and different levels of deck building and then the competitive strategy in the game so what all is your target i guess canon of material that you plan on covering with your podcast so generally i want to have kind of like the beginner side be 
just like the general archetypes. Then doing a bit more of deep diving into maybe more specific decks, specifically decks that you would actually find are super competitive. If we were talking pre-rotation or pre-ignore rule change, that would be talking like Garden Tomb or things that may not fit into one necessary archetype, but it's a deck that you would find running around. Another would, would be like Circus last year. But going through each and every piece of that, basically so that someone can build at least a good idea of how the competitive scene plays out. Kind of making it that it's a bit less of a stretch going from the casual side to the competitive side. Especially because, well, like I said, I didn't have any of that type of stuff. And there's points when you're just sitting there kind of looking at cards like, this looks like it could be cool, but is this going to affect the game? Or is this so specific that that's three out of your six rounds in a tournament or something like that, it's not going to come up. But also kind of going into even just some general ideas of like, how do you build up your reserve? What cards are better to put into the reserve plus versus not? All the types of ideas. Just so that, again, someone that is either wanting to learn a new deck can easily learn that deck. Or at least learn the basics of it. And basically kind of bridging that gap a bit more between competitive and non-competitive. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool, man. Um, so it seems like, uh, at least for now, that you're more gearing towards like the newer player. Is that correct? You know, you're trying to get people to newer or unfamiliar with different styles, kind of expose them to those styles and like different uh, moves or combinations and things like that. More or less. I will also note that, again, it's, one of the secondary things is always been my personal issue when coming to like, oh, maybe I want to build Nativity, but I'm also just like, okay, I have all Nativity cards out, and there's way too much to build a deck out of, and I don't know what's best to cut and what's best to keep. Even for just like semi-competitive players or competitive players that are so used to the deck that they play that they can switch to a new deck. That they can basically like listen to a podcast and be like, okay, so these cards I take out and this is what I play with. So then they can get into the creative building process after that. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, you know, I think that, you know, having some of those contender decks out there kind of help start that too. But at the same time, you, it's like you said, you're just kind of looking at the cards rather than always knowing exactly what the strategy is, but like why these cards, specific cards are in there. And so, yeah, I mean, listening, you know, you could have the deck in front of you, listen to the podcast and be like, okay, yeah, I see this, you know, and even like, like you said, uh, as far as the creativity, even maybe a little bit before you even play a game, as you're listening, uh, it seems like you could maybe make a change or two right there if you have some other cards available. So definitely cool. Oh yeah. One of the other things that I like discussing specifically is cards that maybe you maybe someone that is more experienced they were they're like oh this actually kind of works with this deck but a player that's either new to the game or even new to a deck might not initially think of 
An example there is that when you're building Nativity, a lot of people will gloss over cards like Angelic Guidance, or even if you're playing in more of classic, like uh, Gabriel meets Zacchaeus. Despite the fact that both of them actually are retroactively Nativity, because uh, Nativity is anything that's Matthew who 2 or Luke 1 or 2. But those are cards that, because they don't have the Nativity tag, a lot of people skip over them right away and not even realize, oh, I can play this in this deck, and that actually benefits this deck a lot. Yeah, I definitely think, I like what you're, where you're going with that. I think, because for me, uh, it's, it's definitely easy to see, like, for instance, with GOC, nativity comes out. It's like, all right, I got all my GOC nativity cards. And it's kind of like, all right, you can kind of see how they go together for the most part. Maybe need a little help, like you said, what to cut, what not. But thinking back to, like, some of the past sets, that can definitely get lost, uh, some of those cards, like like what you're saying, if, especially if they're, like, three, four, five sets back, um, it can be hard to like find those cards, even though they could be kind of a staple or a very consistent piece in a, in a deck if you actually like see it. So that's cool. I'll jump in here and say that you're talking about going back and finding old cards that retroactively pick up identifiers. And man, that reminds me of the first time I saw Jaden throw together uh, uh, post-exilic. And he had... Obviously, all the cool LOC stuff, but then he had Haggai in there that gets to play a fortress. He had Zechariah and a couple of things that came out in POC that didn't have that identifier. And I was just like, whoa, I didn't even think to go and check were these cards also post-exilic. And he's got a deck where half the stuff in it seems like you have to you have to do your homework to even know that that fits with the theme, but then... Obviously, it fits and plays well together to the point to where, I mean, last year he piloted a post-exilic deck to the win at Nationals in Type 1-2 player, but, you know, the first time you see that deck list and he's got these cards that have retroactively picked up identifiers or they're not printed on the cards, you know, and you have to go and check the Ordeer, which is the reference list, to see what identifiers cards picked up and, and whatnot. Definitely, that's something that gets lost in translation, uh, so to speak, when a new player comes in or picks up a new deck to not know certain cards even go with a a deck theme. So I definitely get where you're coming from with that. And that that's a case in point moment for me, just realizing that's, oh, just like when Jaden did that with Post-Exilic and ruined my life. Yeah, well, the other thing with that too is that I kind of had to go through some similar experiences with that back when I was first building Angels because... The first time that I built Angels, which technically was my first deck, I was building, like, Thesaurus Disciples format. And it's when you have to, like, go digging through all of the sets to find anything that's silver and somewhat playable. Yeah. <laughs> to a point that it's just like, yeah, you're trying to throw something together because there's not anything that works because the general consensus at the time was angels were meant to be a support brigade and not be their own deck. You didn't run them together. You ran them as like you ran angel at the tomb in a white deck. So yeah, I having to figure out how to build a deck out of that was one of those very interesting kind of trial by fire 
messes that was fascinating and a pain sometimes to deal with. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned that part of it is taking the non-competitive players or the players that maybe just gravitate towards one deck or theme that like that and just kind of opening up Pandora's box, so to speak, and letting them get an inside look from some of the community experts, if you will, on these deck themes and archetypes like Rob Smith, Demon Hunter 85, for those of you that know him by a screen name, having Rob come on and talk about Disciples, something that he's well-versed in, and eventually I'm sure you'll you'll pick out more people like that within the community following your structure here that you've started. But how often are you planning on episodes to come out? But then is this going to be more of a seasonal thing? Because it seems like you're targeting more of the competitive, trying to push people into competitive, or at least uh, talking about competitive themes and where they fit within the meta potentially. Obviously, if you talk about disciples and then you talk about, say, angels, now people have an idea of those, and then you can start building that out to which one of these are meta relevant, where do they rank within the other archetypes that are available Seems like a lot of that is geared toward the uh, major competitive tournament season that leads up to nationals. So is this more of a seasonal project or is this going to be something that releases throughout the year? So my plan is actually to release throughout the year. My hope is to make it more of a bi-weekly thing with, well, with a bit of a thing that I've been planning of having preview episodes on the off week, kind of previewing what's going to be coming up. Well, I've work on editing and hopefully edit a lot faster (laughs) hey editing is definitely one of those things that it can it can take all the joy out of recording if you let it so (laughs) don't let that happen to you oh yeah but yeah my plan is for it to be bi-weekly the primary thing is probably more for when getting into the competitive season either talk about decks that are competitive that haven't been discussed yet Meanwhile, the off-season, probably picking up probably, like, some older decks, like, uh, discussing, like, Antediluvians or, or like, some of the Red Warrior stuff or just things that people might have an interest in finding out about but are probably also not going to play in a... They're not going to play in the build-up to Nats because they're kind of outclassed by say, like, Disciples, or uh, the new stuff that might be coming on Israel's Rebellion, or all those types of things where new stuff might take priority around that point. Old stuff will just take priority kind of in the off-season. Yeah, I gotcha. Uh, My actual goal is to eventually be able to have an episode for every theme that's currently in the game. That's a pretty big undertaking. So you got definitely a lot of work cut out for you, but hey, at least you're you're not you're not worried about the content. You know, <laughs> some weeks I I find myself I'm like, okay, what am I going to talk about this week? And then the day of recording gets here, and I'm like, what are we going to talk about this week? Uh, you don't have to worry about that because you've got you've got a laid out material and target material. But let me ask you: Have you pinpointed some future guest for? specific themes because when you start thinking within the community i believe that you can pinpoint certain people that work well with certain themes just naturally like Jaden, i mentioned with post exilic if you wanted to do angels yourself is a good good person for that or if you wanted to target someone else you could have like jeremy chambers you want flood you know you gotta go see 
our boy Jay Chambers. Just you can start to pick out different people within the community. So have you reached out to any of those or do you have plans to have specific guests on that you can go ahead and just kind of uh, tease us with? Um, I have not, I've been deciding on which uh, thing I'm going to be doing next. I think I might want to get either Tyler or someone on to discuss specifically for dominant discussion, more specifically for someone that, might have an interesting um, take on playing more niche or more specific dominance. The first person I think of with that would be Chad. Really? <laughs> I don't know why, but yeah. I was I was thinking Jared. <laughs> uh, yeah, that too. Yeah, there's several good options out there for that. The other thing also is uh, bringing on Tyler to discuss uh, demons, because the other thing too is also wanting to do a some episodes on defenses. And just kind of like go through, hey, here's this defense. This defense is great with these types of decks. Doesn't work so great with these types of decks. Because I know that's another issue that comes up very often where you're looking at a deck and you're like, well, what defense do I pair with this? And trust me, I've had that plenty of times where I'm just sitting there like, do I want to switch up defenses? Because this defense is not working like I want it to work. Yeah. And... Again, having something that can actually be like, okay, so here's the pros and here's the cons of each defense is kind of a good idea. But yeah, going back to actual guests, uh, definitely Jay for Flood. Uh, I was actually talking about, I was talking to you before about having uh, you be the quote-unquote host for the Angels episode because I'd be more of the quote-unquote guest for that one. So what what you're saying is you you're the expert you're your own expert, <laughs> more or less. As much as I've seen some other people playing angels, I don't think people have played angels as old, as long as I have. That's probably fair. And also, definitely, we're not insane enough to try to play angels when the best angel, or basically the only angel combo was Michael wheel within a wheel and angel sword and just hoping that your opponent is blocking with humans. <laughs> Played a lot of angel of the winds and uh, I don't forget the guy who, who makes you draw and search back in the day. Angel under the oak. <laughs> angel under the oak. Yeah. Angel of the winds, angel under the oak. Angel from the sun. <laughs> I mean, there, there's a few angels you, you've worked with. That, th- those are about the extent. So I'm in the category of did not play a lot of angels. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I used to play Angel Angel at the Tomb for the fact of if I was playing against an empty tomb player, I could actually steal their their NT females, which means now the Garden Tombs ignores working for me, uh, which was fun. Yeah, I can see that. So let me uh, let me go ahead and flip flip the script because while you're doing this to benefit people and have them learn for for their own benefit and just for, you know, deeper development of players in the deck building phase and whatnot, wanting to get players more up to speed with more themes. It just diversifies the deck profiles that are out there and kind of enriches the whole player base. If players are more adept at playing things than just, okay, I'm good with this one deck on the flip side of that. And you can go ahead and tell your dirty little secret if this is true, but 
in doing this, you're also creating scouting reports. So now I might not even have any interest in playing disciples, but now I know what they're looking to do potentially off of your first episode, how they can be built, their weaknesses, and now I have at least some idea of knowing how to play against that. So that's going to be part of the benefit of these episodes too as you tackle these archetypes and deck themes. And then maybe that's just a sinister you know, benefit for you. You get people to tell you the weaknesses of their deck and then, okay, now you can exploit them. But how beneficial do you think that's going to be just having that kind of information out there? Actually, I think that's going to be a very beneficial thing because there's a lot of times... And again, this goes back to my personal experience where there's just points when you have not played against this, like a certain deck before, you have no idea how it plays. And then your opponent steamrolls you because you didn't interact with the correct cards or you thought like, Hey, I'm playing thieves. I'm going to steal this one card when you needed to steal a different card to make sure that they couldn't play the game. And it's one of those things where I actually like the idea of kind of getting that information out there. In fact, uh, near the end of the podcast, I actually bring up that point of, uh, for people that are listening to specifically the Disciples one of, they're not playing Disciples, but they're sick of seeing Disciples. They just want to find that way to disciples and just have those for basically to have it that people can also listen maybe not if they're intending on building the deck but looking at ways to counter the deck because I know there's plenty of people that will look and say like they'll look at flood very in- and be very intimidated they'll look at uh They'll look at Disciples and be very intimidated. New Testament Gold and just be afraid of losing their entire deck to their gimmick. Or even even like your King Noah deck and just be like, how do I manage to beat a deck that basically... All hail King has, Noah. King Noah. Has just Noah just there. Dude, that deck was so fun to play. Man, those were some good times, weren't they, Brad? <laughs> You know, th- that was, those were like some of my favorite times to play in, in my short career here. That that was definitely a fun era. It yeah. was before it was the it was the era right before you could go through your entire deck turn one. <laughs> yeah, I, I think also what makes it really cool is that was that was kind of the time when you went to your kind of David stuff building that music deck, but it was before that deck was shared a lot. And it was like, okay, we both came up with these things that were kind of unique. And I guess we built them more than we net decked them, so to speak. But now there's so much information out there that if there's a good deck, it usually comes to light pretty quickly. And that that's cool. And that there's nothing wrong with that. Obviously, that benefits everyone. Like I said, it goes back to the enrichment and deepening the player base and the, the knowledge of different decks and things so that people, once they latch onto a deck, now they're more, you know, in tune with it and how it might play against other decks because they've tried a few other decks. So I think all of that is just great benefit to the community having that out there. And I think it's, I, I talk about the the content that comes out for Redemption all the time, but it is literally like night and day. Like I found Jay yelling at people on a YouTube video and then there was 2017, 
I believe it was nationals or 2016 nationals <laughs> stuff on YouTube. And, and then there was the uh, sign of the star, you know, intro to redemption that was already outdated when the, the time that we came in. That's the only thing. That's the, and that's, that's all that was out there. There was not much out there. You, it was still hard to learn the game, even with those videos. Like, we still were like, like <laughs> me and John would stay up till three, four in the morning playing. We would start at like nine o'clock. We would end about three or four in the morning and only had played two games. And we're sitting there talking to Redemption Aggie, you know, one, two in the morning, hoping he's awake with some rulings or how to do what <laughs> it was like man uh so yeah having this um i you know i i can't imagine nationals a couple years ago um and you got to forgive me man i'm like forgetting all these cards but like the deck that um wiped your hand first turn love at first sight love, love at first, first sight, sight. Yeah. i knew it was love something i was like man what is it yeah you, um, you knew it was love because you did the opposite of that you hated it <laughs> <laughs> but you remember how crazy it was i think that was really one of the i'm not saying people didn't share their decks before that but that remember when that got shared and it was kind of like a big deal like oh my gosh i can't believe they shared this or at least for for us because we kind of knew about it but for other everybody else it's kind of like Oh my goodness! I'm so glad they shared this because, had they not, I mean, think about sitting over at nationals, never hearing about this deck before, and then all of a sudden your entire eight cards in your hand are gone, and you're like, "Is this even legal?" Like, because that would have been like, "Hey, this isn't fair!" Like, what is going on? You know? They just played 25 cards and got rid of my whole hand. Now I'm stuck with three. Man. Yeah. So to, I say all that to say, like, yes. Uh, exposing decks in such a way that people can at least know the strategy. Because if you go back and look at any of the videos from like the top players, if they're recording them or whatever, you see the players and how they think. And that's that really is what helped me as a player the most, is, is watching people who were better than me and how they thought about the game and how they anticipated certain things. They're like, well, if he played this, then he probably has this in his deck or he has – you know, he may have this in his hand. He's probably going to go for this next. And so I'm going to get, it's like you said, which card do I get rid of? Which card do I take with thieves or whatever? Like the best players in the game understand the inner workings of what is probably in the deck and um, can play based off that. And it's a huge advantage. Yeah. One of the ways that they, one of the ways that they play that is they glean information from other decks and things that they aren't, you know, probably not necessarily playing themselves in the moment, but they are aware of what each deck that they may face is trying to do. And it just, man, to imagine all the work that had to go into like tournament season and trying to figure out what that meta call was going to be beforehand, before all of this, you know, the golden age of redemption content and, now knowing that that information is just about freely shared about every deck. Now, there might be a deck that someone wants to keep, you know, on the on the down low, but I don't think it's an unfair deck. Like, there's this crazy combo that's going to wipe out your entire deck and you're not able to play the game type of thing. Or, like, if we hadn't learned about Ephesian Widow before yeah. Nationals. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, if you want to, if you want to see that experience, basically see what was going on with Children of Light. Because... JD basically, uh, I was one of the few people that got to see that before Nats, but he basically dropped that at Nats. And yeah, that that deck was pretty scary, especially yeah. when it got off. Yeah, having that information out there for people to 
be able to refer back to and, and go through and either learn the deck for you to play it or be able to pilot it and maybe dip your toe into that theme and go from completely neutral on it or, you know, not knowing anything about it to at least having an idea of how it can play once you look at the cards to where you could potentially build it. But even on the other side of that, flip that coin over, now know how that deck may try to operate, what cards you need to try to interrupt the interaction with. You know, if there's a deck out there like a variant of Disciples that relies heavily on Herod's Temple that's paired up with the Herod's Defense, Herod's Temple is your problem and you need to you need to find a way to get around that potentially. But just knowing that, so when you start seeing some of the cards that lead you to believe that this is the the variant of that deck that relies heavily on Herod's Temple, now you have a target of what cards you need to interact with the most to increase your chances of winning that deck matchup. Um, Just things like that is going to be super valuable to the redemption community. And so I'm sure people are looking forward to, to this and I know that there's been hit or miss with some podcasts, not trying to throw any shade <laughs> at John. Appreciate you sponsoring the podcast, John. <laughs> but hopefully you can carry that that out and, and stick with it and we get some of that content. And, you know, that's kind of why I wanted to have you on the podcast here to just give some exposure to your podcast project so people know what to expect, the idea behind it and the potential benefits of it. And, you know, anybody that listens to our podcast can be exposed to now you have a podcast coming out that's going to be more strategy based and and tackling the the ins and outs of deck building in regards to specific archetypes so i think it's all good for the community yeah and honestly even going back to my experience with Yu-Gi-Oh too one of the things that i found the best way to kind of figure out how to beat a deck that you're having a problem with is to learn that deck. And uh, this was actually a point where I would actually go and find competitive versions of Yu-Gi-Oh decks and then just start playing them, not like in a tournament, but like on my own, to figure out where those holes and those gaps are, those spots when you can actually take advantage and start ripping it apart. And on top of that, also know what cards people might be playing to try to cover those gaps, which also is very important because one of the worst things that you can do about your own deck is be blind to those bad spots in your deck, the cards that will basically end the game for you. That if this thing happens, you may as well just scoop because you're not going to win anymore and how to counter that and how to stop that from happening as best as you can. Yeah, I think that's definitely something that every player should be able to acknowledge about their own deck. There's no perfect deck in Redemption anymore. Uh, I think with one territory class and taking away some of those decks that just burn through so many cards, turn one, and then set up so many counters in territory, taking away that... I think forces the game to be more interactive and there's no perfect deck that doesn't have weaknesses. If you can get it to stall on those opening, that opening round, you know, whether you get a block and put them behind the tempo pace since they went first, or if you can, you know, rush out quickly on a deck that maybe is used to being ahead for most of the game. All of that is, is definitely something that you can glean from, 
the type of content that you're going to be putting out with the podcast. But as we get ready to uh, to wrap up here, is there an expected time frame? I know that you said you were going to be shooting for bi-weekly releases, but do you have any idea on the next episode dropping, which will be episode two? And then is it is it for sure going to be that dominant conversation? I'm leaning towards, yeah, probably going to be a dominant conversation. I still have to actually get to the part where I record it. But my... I don't have a definitive date. I put it like that. But uh, when you see a preview drop for it, that probably means that I will be early as trying to drop it uh, within a week of that teaser. Gotcha. So we can be looking forward to potential episode number two of the Chamber of Angels podcast, which is going to be. Uh, more than likely discussing dominant selection and niche dominance and dominance that should be played more than they are, and then possibly some that you just need to avoid altogether. So definitely going to be uh, a good listen either way. So that, again, that goes back to same thing. Whether you're playing those dominants or not, you need to know how they impact the game in the current, I guess, format so that you know how to play around those. Like something just as simple as Grapes of Wrath right now, is so good because it's able to be played offensively or defensively and it is not considered harm so it's actually used a lot more on the evil side than than you would expect just to get around things that are protecting heroes from harm so that's that's definitely uh a good episode that we can look forward to and i guess beyond that just want to thank you for coming on james thank you for providing more content for the community and if you're listening to this podcast, you should be listening to that podcast. I think that's fair. What do you guys think? I definitely think so. And uh, the fact that your name starts with a J, you know, you're already up, you're <laughs> up on the competition. Yeah. There you go. So I will ask kind of end here. Um, what all platforms are you on right now or um, are people able to listen? So currently I'm only on Podbean. Uh, I'm going to be trying to get onto Spotify as soon as I can. But that requires uh, a few other things. I'll probably be bugging John about it there soon. You go. <laughs> yeah, I know that. I know that all those website, the, the, those directories for podcast, they are really particular about the size and resolution of your cover image and the artwork that is used to display for your podcast. So, if you're you're mentioning a hang up with Spotify or one of the other ones, I would venture to say a lot of it's probably coming back to the artwork for your cover image. Am I guessing kind of in the right area? Um, I have actually not yet looked at it. I'm more I got the episode up on Podbean and now I'm kind of sitting there trying to figure out how to get the RSS feed. <laughs> oh, I got you. Yeah. Just reach out to me whenever you uh <laughs> Whenever you get ready to uh, tackle that, and I, I can help you walk through it. I think the resolution on my uh, image should be good. I'm glad that I found one that's, as far as I could find, is public domain. So Yeah. All right. Well, we'll wrap up here. Thanks, James, for joining. And like I said, if you're listening to this podcast, make sure you go and listen to the Chamber of Angels podcast discussing uh, redemption deck strategies and all things decks. I guess, if you will. <laughs> also, another little spoiler for the dominant discussion. Uh, Guardian of Your Souls is probably going to be on the avoid list. Oh, say <laughs> it ain't so. <laughs> say it ain't we'll so. Definitely, we'll definitely give you Guardian. <laughs> All right. 
I guess we'll go ahead and end there, guys. All right, guys, that's going to do it for episode number 58 of the Threshing Floor Podcast. As always, I want to thank you for hanging out with us. Make sure you roll over and check out the new podcast project that's available on Podbean, and that is the Chamber of Angels podcast. Episode one, going over the disciples archetype with Mr. Rob Smith, is available. And also, make sure you're keeping up with the tournament scene as we evolve and move closer to nationals if you're interested in those RNRS points. I mean, we've got some major tournaments happening this week, so make sure you're keeping up with that so that you can be better prepared if you're trying to, you know, get that sweet, sweet son of God that doesn't even have the ability text box. I know I want one. You probably want one, too. Uh, Also, hopefully you guys are excited about the news of having Mr. Travis Brown on the podcast in the next couple of weeks, working on getting that scheduled. Super excited about that. Super excited about also scheduling our first informal hangout session in the next couple of weeks. So we'll get more information on both of those and let you guys know. But as always, thanks for being here. Peace. Peace.